Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it is Bears Week here in Green Bay. The Packers will be at Soldier Field in Chicago on Sunday, a noon central time kickoff for the first of two meetings in 2021 between these two rivals, longtime rivals. And there's a lot on the line here, Wes, for an early season game. The Packers are four and one. The Bears are three and two. Yeah. So Green Bay can take a two game lead on the rest of the NFC North with a victory or the Bears can tie things up with a victory over the Packers to make both teams 4-2. and two. So far, Chicago, they took a couple on the chin from the Rams and the Browns, two pretty good teams, but they've also chalked up victories over the Bengals, the Lions, and most recently the Raiders, where we saw that Chicago defense really seem to be hitting its stride. The Chicago defense, I think, it's funny how this goes, Mike. The years change, the coaches occasionally change, there's different quarterbacks as long as I've basically been an adult, Chicago's had some really good defenses. And that is very much the case this year. We, you know, we shoot a lot of videos here. We do a lot of content for Packers.com. But I'm not going to sit here and just try to parrot him. I'm going to talk about what Larry McGarren talked about in our three things video that we did, that we taped just before this. This is, without a doubt, the best defense Green Bay has seen pound for pound, for pound at all three levels. But what impresses me the most is the consistency across the board. It's not just one thing that they do particularly well. As a unit, they're executing in all major categories. Now, certainly, the sacks are what jump off the page. Yeah, for a sure. A number of years ago, Ryan Pace made his you know, quintessential move, the, one, the, the highlight reel move, getting Khalil Mack. Mack again off to a five-sack season this year. But Robert Quinn was a really interesting acquisition for him. Quinn has been around for a long time now. And he's been one of these guys that can have years where he has three sacks, he can have 10 sacks. Yeah. He's obviously appearing to be on one of those 10-sack type <laughs> seasons right now, four and a half to this point, 18 for the bunch. They have good guys in the defensive interior. Roquan Smith is elite You know, now, also in that conversation with Fred Warner and these guys as far as the best middle linebacker in the game. Green Bay has their work cut out for them. Offensively, a lot of question marks right now for the Bears. Defensively, this team's going to compete with basically everyone. Yeah, it's interesting. When you look statistically at this Bears defense, there are a lot of similarities in terms of the stats, the numbers, where they rank compared to the Bengals' defense, which yeah. the Packers just faced. I think what sets this Chicago defense apart a little bit from the Cincinnati defense is the big names and the big-time playmakers. When you're talking yep. about Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, um, Roquan Smith in the middle of the defense, Eddie Jackson, uh, safety on the back end, who's made a ton of big game-changing type of plays throughout his career. This is a, this is an experienced unit, and even as much as some of the names change here and there on the Bears' defense, they always seem to have a core of four or five or six guys that have been together yeah. for some certain period of time. And that's why they're able to maintain a certain level of consistency with how they play defense. And a lot of it is at the linebacker position, Mike. I remember a number of years ago, I want to say maybe it was 2015. I know I was still at the Press Gazette. Danny Trevathan, when they went <laughs> out and signed both him and Jarrell uh, Freeman, those were two big marquee guys that they were sort of rebuilding their defense with, with Vic Fangio going in there. Now, Freeman didn't work out. Trevathan absolutely did. I yep. mean, every single year we're talking about him. 
But then they've augmented it, as you mentioned, with Roquan Smith, a sideline-to-sideline -side linebacker, a guy that has 100 you know, tackles every single season, is making plays, is constantly around the football. They kind of had a little bit of a transitional period at the cornerback position, but you've seen that sort of solidify itself now over the past year as well. And the fact of the matter is, Mike, when you have a, an overall unit that can defend the run well, it's going to open up the rest of the field for your playmakers. Eddie Jackson has been in kind of a, 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 an interesting spot since Adrian Amos left, but he seems to be settled down a little bit more now as well. It's a, it's a four-quarter battle with the, with the Bears every time you see them. And for the Green Bay Packers, after having some really solid offensive performances, I know it didn't maybe translate as much to the scoreboard, but 466 total yards of offense last week, this is going to be a real test for that unit and seeing exactly what they can do against one of the NFL's truly elite defenses. Yeah, I think the Packers certainly liked the way they moved the ball uh, up and down the field against Cincinnati's defense. It is a matter of translating that now against another formidable defense, but finish more of those drives with points, get in the red zone, yep. and finish with some touchdowns, and, uh, and the Packers feel like they can be in, in, a, in a good position against a defense like this. On the flip side of things, Justin Fields is the big story for yep. the Chicago Bears offense, right? They traded up in the draft to select him in the first round. We all knew that Andy Dalton was a, a temporary placeholder. We didn't know how long it would last. He ended up getting hurt fairly early in the season. So this is Justin Fields' offense now. And, you know, he... He took his lumps against the Cleveland Browns, the sacked whatever it was, eight or nine times, yeah. I think, in that game. The Bears, I believe they ended up changing play callers after that, or they, they've made some, some, some changes with, uh, within the offensive coaching staff. And um, you're starting to see the growth and the progress from fields that you would expect from, from a high first-round draft pick like that. Um, they're dealing with David Montgomery, their number one running back, being injured right now. But Damian Williams has stepped in. He looked pretty good against uh, the Raiders last week from what I saw this is a this is an offense that doesn't want to put everything on Justin Fields but the defenses that play against Chicago want to try to put as much on Justin Fields as you can because that's the formula against young quarterbacks right is to make those guys put those guys in situations that maybe they haven't faced before and try to force the one or two mistakes that can change a game well the big line that really came out during the preseason was Fields saying that you know, he, nothing's really too big for him. He feels like the game wasn't too fast. But I think you're seeing those first couple times he's been on the field, there is a different flow of a game. There is a lot of different variables when you're facing, you know, NFL-caliber defenses with, with playmakers, you know, strewn throughout. Losing Montgomery is a difficult one because, Mike, how many times have you and I done this show over the last three years where I've said when they run the ball, when they establish David Montgomery – they're able to really get into a flow offensively. Yeah. I felt like when they came up short, it didn't matter if it was Mitchell Trubisky, it didn't matter if it was Nick Foles, it didn't matter who the quarterback was, but when they failed to get Montgomery going, when he's having these 10-carry, 28-yard days, it was making life difficult on everybody else. Yep. This year, they, you know, they have weapons. Allen Robinson... One of the league's top receivers, in my opinion. Highly underrated guy. And Darnell Mooney is actually leading them in receiving yards this yeah. year. A young, up-and-coming guy who's starting to make a name for Who himself. Who the Packers have already you know, seen before in Absolutely. terms of seeing his, his production. Cole Komet was a big pick for them. They have guys that can catch the football. But the issue so far this year has been, whether it's Fields or Dalton, getting the ball in those guys' hands. 
Losing Montgomery is a big step backward, but they do have Damian Williams. And if you know anything about Williams' story, this is his third NFL team. He's been a little bit of a journeyman, but he was really critical to Kansas City's Super Bowl push two years ago when he had to be the featured back. He's been comfortable in that role before. Khalil Herbert also comes in, six-round pick this past year. So they do have guys that can run the football. It's just going to be a question when you don't have the dual threat of Montgomery, what is the trickle-down effect on that, not only with this offense, but also with Justin Fields trying to get comfortable and steering this ship? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it certainly helps the Packers because the Bears have now made this transition to Williams with Montgomery going out. It helps the Packers to have that film from the Raiders game and how the Bears used Williams and everything because the offense does look a little different. Yeah. There, there are some changes being made there, so the Packers hopefully won't be surprised by anything in that regard. But by the same token... When you're talking about a young first-round draft pick who's learning the game and making the progress that he is, you know how this goes, Wes. The playbook starts to get bigger yep. and bigger and bigger week after week. There are things that the Bears are going to run with Justin Fields as they progress through this season that are going to be brand new, that are going to be unscouted. And that's going to be happening in week 9, 10, 11, and 12 with, uh, with the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields because the more he learns and the more comfortable he gets, then the more they will put on his plate. So the Packers really, they, they have to be ready for almost anything offensively. From Statistically, from a Bears offense that is at or near the bottom of the league in a, in a number of categories, and and uh, and. Obviously, the Packers are dealing with uh, with their share of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, but you know I th I think the biggest thing everybody's going to be watching in this game is going to be what Aaron Rodgers and this offense does against this Bears defense because uh, because the the Bears are going to be relying on their defense more than ever. Well, and we have to see what this offensive line is going to look like for Green Bay. Right? Yes, on Wednesday they got back Elton Jenkins. That was a big plus for them. Limited in practice, but also Josh Myers being cleared to return with that finger injury. He was a full participant. You know, I think you, I don't think there's any question Josh Myers can play through a finger injury. It was just the thing with the doctors making sure that he's safe to do so, that everything is on the up and up there. But to be a full participant in practice Wednesday probably tells you the Packers are going to have their starting center back. Jenkins is such an interesting piece, though, because... Yash Nyman has done an exemplary job at left tackle. Yep. But, you know, Robert Quinn, with the way he's playing right now, that's a tough ask. You know Billy Turner is already going to have his hands full with Khalil Mack. He's seen that assignment before. I imagine Mack will be moving around as well. But Elton Jenkins is really the, the Swiss Army knife here. And, I mean, he can. it isn't just a jack of all trades. I mean, it's a king of all trades here. This guy can play at a Pro Bowl level everywhere if he is good to go. As Adam Stenovich said on Wednesday night when he was talking with the media, they've already had the conversations about where this guy should go, where he should fit. Hope to have that decision in place by Friday if, again, things are looking like Jenkins is going to play. But, man, he, he, it is a luxury, but it also yeah. creates a lot of questions for you because you have an all-pro, pro-bolt caliber type offensive lineman that can basically play any of the five positions. Yeah, and if the Packers are looking at keeping him on the left side, whether it be left tackle or left guard, which has been his traditional position, if we can call it that for him, yeah. as, uh, as one of these you know all-everything versatile guys, as you said, Nyman has played well, and the Packers... In the, the as the weeks have progressed with Nyman, they they've left him one on one a little bit more often. You know, yes, you're gonna always gonna give him help in certain yep. situations, but certainly not as much help as there was back in his first start against San Francisco, right? 
But then at left guard, John Runyon has not not exactly been a slouch no. out there by any means. So it's it's a good problem to have, right? As as the saying goes, because the Packers aren't looking at this as like, all right, great, we're getting El- Elton Jenkins back. We can get so and so out of there. Yep. That's not how they're looking at this because the guys who have stepped in have done a whale of a job. Do you know who John Runyon reminds me of? And no, it's not his father. Uh, <laughs> but do you know who he really reminds me of? Evan Smith or Evan Dietrich Smith to, to Packers fans right. out there. EDS was not a guy that I think in a training camp setting, you're just going to sit there and be like, wow, look at that guy. He's just manhandling everybody. Right. I think even Adam Stenovich talked about it a little bit. You know, maybe training camp wasn't what John wanted it to be. Aaron Rodgers even mentioned that, too, that you look at the preseason film and what was going on in August, and you kind of wondered, is is John Runyon really going to be ready to play this year? Well, then they need him. His number gets called, and whether you call him a gamer or whatever phrase you want to use, he stepped in and performed. There is something about when that whistle gets blown and the game matters. I think this goes back to last year with his 160 kind of relief snaps that he had to play at various positions because of injury. Right. There is something about when that whistle gets blown where something clicks with him. And I was so impressed when they, you know, I know everything happens where a guy gets hurt like, like Lucas Patrick does, and then Runyon goes in and you're like, okay, well, this is just the passing of the torch. Lucas Patrick is a darn fine football player too. He proved that last week. But the fact is, is I thought Runyon answered a lot of questions in that one-week stint there for, for Lucas when he was going through the concussion protocol that I think we were looking to see answered back in August. Yeah. The guy can play. So... Mike, it was the number one thing from the time that Marv, you know, Matt Arvin threw on the cameras for our first unscripted in the summer. I said it, this offensive line, it's the deepest of which I've covered yet. I'm not saying it's the most talented. I'm not saying that they have the most pro bowlers. But the fact is, is they can go so deep at so many of these positions, they've had to rely on it for three weeks to, you know, these last three weeks to kind of stem the tide without Elton Jenkins. But man, if they can get guys healthy... Uh, there's just there's so many different directions the Packers can go with the offensive line, and they're all positive. Yeah, and for everyone wondering about David Bakhtiari at this stage, obviously he will be eligible to return to practice off the PUP list next week. There hasn't been any official word as to whether he will start practicing or not, but he is eligible to uh, to begin practicing and next week. So that's a story we'll be following as well after this Chicago Bears game. Absolutely. And the fact that we are five games into the season, the Packers are 4-1, and one, and you and I aren't sounding off red alarms here on top of everything because of David Bakhtiari not being on the field, most definitely this, this offense improves with him. I think the run offense especially improves yes. once he's back on the field. But they've been able to do this without Bakhtiari. They did it through. They got to an NFC Championship game without him last year, and to be able to be four and one at this point, man, that's just such an incredible testament to Stenovich, Luke Buckus, and the job that those guys have done to be able to get him this far. Yeah, no question about it. Well, I want to get to some keys to victory here, but a little bit of sponsor business. Wes, Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24/7. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, keys to victory here for the Packers. What is foremost in your mind that the Packers need to do to come back to Green Bay with a 5-1 and one record? Finish drives. I mean, it really, to me, is that simple. 466 total yards of offense against the Bengals defense last week. A really good, versatile, deep Bengals defense. Yeah. The, the, they were able to do so many big explosive things in that game, 
But it's just a matter of getting inside the 20 and being able to get back into the end zone. Yep. And they showed that they can do it. I mean, the, the back shoulder fade, which looked to be kind of a, a run solution there, kind of a, a, an adjustment that they made to, for Rodgers and, and Devontae to do that single coverage, the only receiver really out on a route on that play, it shows you that everything is on the table for them. It's just a matter of executing it. And then secondary, I, I want to just mention, I mean, the Packers being able to establish the run the way they did I know it still wasn't picture perfect. I, I know they have higher aspirations, especially, you know, just in those first down situations, being able to get five, four or five yards again, more manageable second and third downs. But the, the variance that they're using right now with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, I, this is the recipe, Mike. I mean, I think it makes Dillon better. I think he's showing that he's ready for a bigger role. Yep. But at the same time, you also have a guy like Aaron Jones who becomes that much more really destructive, I feel, when he's able to kind of have someone playing off him that has such a different contrasting style. I, I go back to that 57-yard run that he had in the, in last week. Vaughn Bell made the right call. He, he had the gap open, that B gap, and Aaron Jones just made a miss. And when you're seeing different looks like that throughout the course of the game, and now you're, you're seeing the power of Dylan, and now you're seeing the finesse and the, the slashing ability of Aaron Jones, that's difficult to diagnose when you're not seeing it down after down after down. 188 total yards of offense a week after coming up 196 yards of total offense. Those two running backs, Mike, they are pivotal playmakers in this Packers scheme. And if they can get them going again against this front, that's what opens up the pass, the run pass action. That's what opens up the jet motions. All the dominoes start to fall if you can move the football against Chicago. Yeah, I th that's where I think it comes down to offensively for the Packers. You have to be able to run the football with a certain level of effectiveness against the Bears because you need to be able to have an action passing game. You need to be able to keep that defense honest and honor the run. Because if you turn this into a straight drop back passing yeah. game, the the league leading 18 sacks, the nine and a half sacks that, that Quinn and Mack have combined for so far, that's where you get in, you get in trouble um, because you because they know they can just come after you in in a straight drop back game. On the other side of things, I think as much as uh, as much as Packer fans want to see you know, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark and these guys, you know, start racking up sacks like the Bears have been doing. This is not the game you necessarily do that. Aside from the statistics from Justin Fields in the Cleveland game, this is about containing this young man, right? It's, yes, you rush to pressure to contain, but not necessarily to sack, because if you get out of that, if you get out of your rush lane, if you get a little bit too creative, then he has that escape lane and, and he can make you pay with his legs. And the Packers need to they need to stop the run, put as much of this game on Justin Fields, like I said before, but then keep him in the pocket and make him throw the ball. Because if he starts running around and he's back yeah. in his Columbus, Ohio days, you know, then then uh, you know all bets are off at that point because that's uh, that's how this kid became a first round pick. And this is probably one of the quieter like six ranked defenses you're going to see in the National Football League. What Green Bay has done so far, obviously there are still things to improve. They are not a finished product, but with having an inside linebacker like Devondre Campbell, having interior pass rush like they got last week, where it wasn't just Kenny Clark, it was Dean Lowry and TJ Slayton and Kingsley Kiki making plays. That's really the recipe here, because as talented as those outside edge rushers are, Mike, we know the quickest way to be able to disrupt a quarterback is north and south as the crow flies, right towards the quarterback. Yep. That's where, where Clark has come up so big for them. That's where they're looking to get more from the defensive front. And the great thing about it is you're absolutely right. You've got to stay in your rush lanes. You can't over-pursue. 
They do finally have an inside linebacker, though, that can help fix some of those mistakes if they do happen. It's not the end of the world if a guy leaks out now because, as Campbell showed, he has sideline-to-sideline speed, and he can tackle in the open field. Right, and we'll, and we'll see if Joe Barry employs a, a spy technique, whether it be Campbell yep. or, or somebody else. Maybe it's Darnell Savage. Who knows? Yep. But if there's, a, if there's a spy technique in certain situations where you tell your guys up front, go ahead and go after him because we do have the spy to, as you say, make up for that leak yes. that, that comes out of the pocket. And that's something that this defense really has not had in quite some time. And, and secondly, I, the number one thing I like, if you're watching the game on Sunday, I like the double A-gap looks that Barry is presenting. Yeah. We didn't see a lot of those the first few weeks of the season, but now on third downs, there's some situations where they're keeping nickel personnel on the field and they're lining up both Campbell and Oren Burks right on each side of the shoulder of the center. That makes guys think a little bit. What is the look going to be? Where are guys going to go? We've seen them send both. We've seen them send one. We've seen them drop both. Yeah. That's one key little piece that I think is also resulting in why you're seeing more Oren Burks on the field right now, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we go, just a couple quick thoughts on some other games around the league. The ones that I jotted down, the other one that has significant NFC North implications, Minnesota is at Carolina. Mm -hmm. The Vikings, it seems like at least every other week, the game comes right down to the wire for them, sort of like what's been happening with Green Bay. Carolina dealing with the Christian McCaffrey injury, and they've started to go the other direction a little bit. Sam Darnold turning the ball over. They've gone from 3-0 and to 3-2. and Your thoughts on the Vikings and the Panthers? It's a two different teams going in different directions. I mean... Yeah, you don't want to go down to the wire like they did last week, but obviously you saw the enthusiasm in both Kirk Cousins and also Mike <laughs> Zimmer after that win. Yeah. Those can be big moments, Mike. I wrote a big old feature about Mercedes Lewis and how his 20-yard catch was really something that you know energized the sidelines. Absolutely. Something like that, and Kirk Cousins busting out the whole, how do you like that? <laughs> or you like that, whatever the, the sign is. I don't know. It's for the kids anyway, but... It shows you that there is some enthusiasm there in Minnesota, and as difficult as it is to be sitting at two and three, they also have to realize how close to four and one they are at this point. Oh, yeah, point. and they, they, know, they know that. And Carolina is an interesting spot because while they got off to a fast start, I think they caught a lot of people off guard, and I think maybe even some of those guys in their own locker room are you know somewhat thinking, okay, if we don't have McCaffrey, can we win? That's been the question the last two and a half years. So uh, a very interesting game all across the league, though. I mean, you, you want to talk about, you've got Kansas City and Washington. A couple of the Packers' upcoming opponents are facing off against each other. That, that was another one I wanted yeah. to mention, too, because Arizona is at Cleveland. Yes. Arizona, the only undefeated team in the league. Cleveland is 3-2 and two with uh, with a very, very tough loss on uh, on their ledger as well. But those are two teams the Packers are going to face here down the road as well. An interesting cross-conference game there between the Cardinals and the Browns. Yeah, and then and if you look at some of the other matchups, you know, Seattle and, and, and uh, Pittsburgh, a team the Packers have faced, one that they will be facing. Russell Wilson questions out there. Uh, every week, I'll say this every week we get on the show, that there always are compelling matchups, but there's different types of storylines that kind of trickling into these games, whether it be injuries, whether it be circumstances, a lot of cross-conference type action. But again, for Green Bay's standpoint, you're facing off against an NFC North rival. You have a chance to improve to 5-1. and one. 
this is a critical, critical game for them, especially if, you know, Kansas City takes care of business the way I think a lot of people believe they should against Washington. Then you have Washington coming into Green Bay next yep. week with some more questions at four, at two and four. So it's going to be a, it's going to be an exciting weekend of action for sure, though. Yeah, absolutely. Chargers in the AFC, Chargers and Ravens, two teams that yes. four and one going head to head. So one of those the two teams hottest quarterbacks gonna, in the game right now. Yeah, one of those teams going to pick up loss number two here in the middle of October. But we got to go, so we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team, all the coverage of the big game from Chicago. On Sunday, we'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.